Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hey, game day. Bills, Patriots, Thursday night football. We got a good game. We got a good weekend. We got all kinds of stuff to talk about in Kyle Brandt's basement. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being uh, here on YouTube, uh, on Twitter. Uh, if you're listening to podcasts form, wherever you are, you're here. That's all that matters. It's myself, my guy, the ultimate warrior. I love you. Thank you for joining me. Um, we have all kinds of stuff to talk about tonight. Bills, Patriots. It's a great game. All kinds of implications, offshoots. Uh, our guy Josh last week, this week really, two days ago, said, yeah, it's just getting ready for another game. It's another week for us. I know it's a big deal for the fans, but for us, just about uh, being 1-0, he goes into that football mode, and that's why we love him. Um, we're going to talk about Kyler Murray. Shouldn't be talking about him right now. Team's bad. Team's irrelevant. And yet there was a nuclear warhead launched from an esteemed former teammate that you might have seen. And I have thoughts on Kyler. You probably do, too. Everybody has an opinion on Kyler, and many of them are not good. Uh, we'll get into that. Also, we have like six weeks left, guys, before the playoffs. It's almost time. So, I have a bottle of wine here that I drank the entire thing about 20 minutes ago, and I want your opinions on things that you are positive. You have watched the first few months of the NFL season, and you're positive that over the next six weeks, this is how things are going to transpire. This is how things are going to go. This team's going to win out. This team's going to lose out. This guy's going to be good. This guy's going to suck. Send them to me. And I will take them, put them on a bottle of wine, and then we'll uncork that sucker again when the playoffs start. And we'll see who was right and who was an idiot. And I might jump in that boat with you as well. I have a few predictions of my, my own. So also, um, let's get to the sky cam. It's December now. And check this out. This is our guy, Hans Gruber. Falling off Nakatomi Plaza. This is the sweetest, darkest, R-rated John McTiernan, Alan Rickman, rest in peace advent calendar. And we're going to take it down all the way to Christmas Eve. I got him up here, uh, Alan Rickman's first movie ever, Die Hard, ever. I mean, that was just, he, he showed up, Is no big deal. It was like Randy Moss on Thanksgiving Day against the Cowboys. He's like, this is the NFL, this is hard. Showed up and started killing it. I'm going to try to just make this free throw right here, right over the front of the rim. Yes, oh, now it's just messing with me. I did a Nick Young there with a swaggy P where I shoot it, and I'm like, yeah, and then behind me, the ball does not go in, and everybody makes a gif. I thought that was in. I can't buy a bucket, but I can buy what I love, what I hate, and what is hilarious. Go ahead. I love that Josh Allen is the nemesis that Bill Belichick has never had. It sounds poetic, doesn't it? It sounds almost biblical. We're going to see it tonight. Josh Allen, the last time he went against Bill Belichick, and of course I know it's Bill's Patriots, but I like looking at the two, uh, the two overlords of those teams, and I don't count Mac Jones in, and I respect Sean McDermott, but I like the Josh Allen-Bill Belichick deal because the last time Bill Belichick went against Josh Allen on the football field, he lost by 30 points. 30 points in a playoff game against a team in his own division, a division that he owned for the better part of a quarter century. Okay. After that game, Bill Belichick went into the Bills locker room, sought out number 17, and wanted to shake his hand and just say how incredible he was and what a great game and a great night and a great everything. It's an amazing thing that that happened. He went in there. Belichick got a boat named after how many Super Bowl rings he has, went and found the Bills quarterback and said a hell of a job in there. Just incredible work, incredible work. And I love that we're here now with this because... Uh, 
Bill Belichick, in all his dominance of the AFC East, he and Brady, just wrecking shop. They have never had a worthy adversary in the form of another quarterback and one of those teams in the division. They've never had one. In the Belichick run with New England, in all the Super Bowls, and all the AFC East titles, and all the AFC titles, who is the best quarterback in their division that they've faced? The best Jets, Bills, Dolphins quarterback. Can you name him? Who is it? Because the best I can think of in that entire run, a year of Brett Favre on the Jets, that was pretty weird. And he was only on the Jets so he could have that one year and then get back to the NFC North to stick it to the Packers, which he did. All right, that. But then after that, who are we talking about here? We're talking about Chad Pennington on the Jets and the Dolphins? Who else? That's it. It is a bunch of guys who were drafted with a lot of potential and never took out the Patriots. Guys who came over from other teams and never took out the Patriots. You had your little short run of Mark Sanchez and the Jets, and they did have success. But that was a defense and a running game that Rex Ryan and Brian Schottenheimer built, and it worked for a couple years, and then completely fell apart. And it was not a Sanchez product. It was not then a Geno Smith product. And that thing completely fell apart. And the Jets haven't been the same since. And they've, I think they're 2-18 and 18 against the Patriots since the butt fumble. We talked about that. But now they really got a guy. And so if Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, greatest coach in organized sports history, greatest coach, he and John Wooden, if that's some of the, the, the lauding that he gets, now you got a real problem. Because for the first time ever, some team got their act together and got a quarterback who can play, and who can play like a top five guy. He's never had to go against that. It's very unusual for a coach to be in one place that long and never have a big dog come in and try to threaten him. Just a bunch of weaklings. And maybe those guys would have been great if Belichick wasn't there. Maybe they would have turned into superstars. I don't know. Maybe Chad Henney would have been a great Dolphins quarterback. Maybe EJ Manuel would have been a great Bills quarterback. I, I don't know. And maybe Belichick ruined that. I don't think that's it. I think it's because the Patriots had a really good team and a really good quarterback, and the other teams made terrible decisions for 20 years. And then the Bills made a really good one in 2018 when the draft was in Dallas, and they took Josh Allen from Leap in Wyoming. And now Belichick really has a problem. So if the Bills win tonight, it's incredible. Belichick, since that 30-point blowout, has had 10 months. He had 10 draft picks. He had a conservative free agency period in which he extended Devin McCourty, one of his safeties. He brought in Jabril Peppers, another defensive back, to batten down the hatches for the Bills game, which is tonight. This is the first game since then. And if the, if the Patriots lose tonight, I don't know, 33-16, to 16, it's like you're still lost. This is the new reality for the Patriots. We've never seen Bill Belichick with a guy he can't beat. It's pretty cool. Now, if the Patriots win tonight, oh my God, that guy can coach. And he did get his act together. And they figured it out. And they beat the Bills. But after 20 years of just slapping around Buffalo and every quarterback that they would kick out, he really finally has a problem. You know, if you look at some of the great dominant runs, even by coaches of our lifetime, Phil Jackson in the six titles first with the Bulls, I mean, they had incredible opposition up against them. It wasn't as if Phillips Jackson winning the Eastern Conference all those years never had any killers. He was having to go through all, you know, initially with the Pistons. Then he had to go through all the Knicks teams, some really good Pacers teams with great players, Hall of Fame players. It wasn't a cakewalk. And in the AFC East for the, for the Patriots under Belichick, 
there's not been really good teams and there's not been really good quarterbacks. It's just, it's just been one of their fortunate things that while they made really good decisions and they had good personnel and good contracts for the most part, those other teams just fell on their face year after year after year. Think about it. Think about some of the quarterbacks from around 2001 till 2018. Jets, Dolphins, Bills. Who, who sticks out? Who's like, oh man, this guy's incredible. This guy could win a Super Bowl. Nobody. Nobody. One year with Brett Favre and that's it. And now you got a guy who on a given Sunday looks like the best player in the league and he's in their division and he's not going anywhere and he's under contract. And however long Bill Belichick coaches, Josh Allen's going to play for Buffalo. That's it. That is his new reality. No more free passes. That's it. You, you don't get to go against these Adam Gase Dolphins teams or Eric Mangini Jets teams or who the hell knows with Buffalo, Dick Jerron Buffalo teams. It's not. It's going to be McDermott, and it's going to be Allen. What are you going to do about it? If you're the greatest coach in history, figure out a way to beat him or figure out a way to get your ass kicked for the next five, six, seven years until you go out on that boat. It's awesome. What do you got tonight, Belichick? You got anything for Josh Allen? Let's find out. I love this matchup. But let's get into what I hate. I hate the conversation that we're having about Kyler Murray today, this week, this season, this year. It's not right. It's not, a sh- it's not, it's not appropriate. It is a shame. It's just a, it's, it's a football and sports shame because I think Kyler Murray is the best athlete in the entire NFL. I think he should be this generation's version of Bo Jackson. I think he should be the craziest athlete on the planet. The fact that he can do what he does at his heights, I think he is the fastest quarterback in the NFL. I think he's faster than Lamar. I think he has a top three arm in the NFL. I think it's Mahomes, Allen, and Murray. And he's looked at as the guy who plays video games and doesn't care. That's his reputation. This is coming to a head now because the Cardinals season is turning into this incredible disaster right in front of our eyes. And just when you think, well, they lost again, just play out your season, start planning your vacations and go away. There comes this sucker punch out of nowhere from one of the all-time great Arizona Cardinals. So the way this goes, Kyler after Sunday's game said schematically, we were bleeped in terms of a play where they said we were supposed to go to DeAndre. He says, no, I wasn't even supposed to go to Hop. We schematically were bleeped, which is a very passive-aggressive way of insulting your head coach, and I think their relationship with Cliff's terrible and has been for a long time. And then Patrick Peterson, currently playing really well with the Vikings. We know he had two interceptions against Buffalo. Former Cardinal is going, goes on the All Things Covered podcast with Bryant McFadden, and he's talking kind of about Cliff and how things are going badly in Arizona, and then... Pat makes sure to get in there and get his opinion about Kyler Murray heard, and it was harsh. Have a listen. Verbally now, vocally, Kyler Murray is talking about, and, and I don't like how he's doing that. I think he should keep some things privately, but it tells me he doesn't care about the head coach, his head coach. And he's putting everything on the head coach, basically saying, Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. <laughs> That's just a matter of the fact. Well, well, yeah, well, I, I got it. So. <laughs> Pat didn't even let him finish the sentence. He interrupted him. He needed to say that so badly. It's, you don't see that in 2022. A, a, a guy who could be a Hall of Famer, 
going out of his way to just smash an ex-teammate gratuitously when he wasn't even being asked about it. Really personal, too. Not about, you know, he's got to get better at this um, as a player or as a leader. It's just like an attack on his personality. So, I mean, that's you don't care about anybody yourself. And you're the nine-figure quarterback, number one overall pick. So that happens. I was like, damn, Pat. That was a sledgehammer. And then Kyler jumps on Twitter. And I'm just getting you caught up to speed. And then I'll tell you what I think about all this. Kyler jumps on Twitter and replies to the, the clip of him, of Pat talking about it, with his own tweet where he says, this isn't true. You on some weird S word at P2. You got my number. If you really felt like this as a, quote, big bro or, quote, mentor, you're supposed to call me and tell me, not drag me so your podcast can grow. It's a good response. It's, he's mocking him for the, the insinuation there is that Peterson, when they played together for two years, maybe positioned himself as his big brother or his mentor, and now he's going on the radio or a podcast to saying you, you, you only care about yourself. So a lot of ways to spin this. It could be that Patterson once felt like he was a big bro and a mentor, and then they had a falling out, and he doesn't respect Kyler anymore based on how he acted in those two years. I'm not even so much here to, to split hairs on what Peterson's meaning because this is more of a Kyler conversation. Kyler has a major reputation problem in that he has a reputation that's almost impossible to shed. So we've now had um, in the preseason his own team uh, in announcing his giant new contract embarrasses him really, by putting in a study clause like one would for a six-year-old who has to finish their green beans before they can watch more cartoons. That gets out, fully embarrassing for him, then they take it out. So immediately there's a reputation that he doesn't work hard and he doesn't prepare hard. That's just how it works. Your team puts that in, you sign it, your agent has you sign it, that's how it works. Then more recently, um, he gets injured, he doesn't play in the game in Mexico against San Francisco, and the other... Arizona Cardinal luminary Larry Fitzgerald is on Monday Night Football going on and on extolling the leadership virtues of Colt McCoy and how incredible he is as a leader and as a leader and someone who is as nuanced and experienced with the media as Larry Fitzgerald does not talk like that, not understanding that there is a message that is delivered there and everyone's watching being like, wow, is he talking about Kyler? I think he is. Not deliberately, not directly. Well, maybe deliberately, but it was not subtle. So and then you got Larry talking about how great the backup quarterback, journeyman quarterback's leadership skills are. And now Patrick Peterson is a guy a lot of people like. I've got to talk to him several times. He's a really likable dude. Comes out of nowhere and says you only care about yourself. Then you have the video game thing. Everyone's first and second and third joke about Kyler Murray is the video games, that you're more into video games than football. Then you have, well, he always has baseball. He could quit football anytime he wants, anytime he wants. It's just all across the board, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, he's a really great athlete, and his highlights, highlights are incredible, but, you know, he likes video games. He's not a good leader. Um, he only cares about himself. He maybe wants to go play baseball. Football's not his first love. He doesn't love football. His body language, it's just all horrible. It's really bad, and it's a shame because of how talented he is, how fun his highlights are to watch. When he's good Kyler, it's, it's one of the best shows in all of football. We should all be loving him. Our kids should want to buy Kyler Murray jerseys. Uh, he should be, like I said, the Bo Jackson, like the one you got to tune in every Sunday to see what he's going to do. It's that cool, but it's not. It's all just a joke and a meme and a gif, and a lot of that is because he's earned it. And he earned it early, coming out of, out of college and going into the league and going on Dan Patrick and putting on this ridiculous display of media. Just really, really, really bad. Um, 
He needs a rebrand. Kyler needs a rebrand so bad. And what I mean is just like a fresh start. My God, control, alt, delete. Give me something fresh. Give me something new. Go away for the off season and find yourself and change your style and change your attitude and change your approach. You see this sometimes, you know, and Kyler Murray is very much a brand. You see this with big time brands who say, ah, you know, the direction this is going, I don't think it's really reaching our full potential. I think we need to shift things up. Logo change, marketing change. Remember on Instagram's logo used to be a little camera and then they changed it to that kind of orange and pink thing is that it is now. They're like, no, we're not just pictures. We're not just for people putting up their dumb Halloween costume pictures. We're a media thing. We're gonna change it all. Took off even more so. Um, I remember when Cadillac used to be like your grandmother's car. And then all of a sudden in the 90s, they showed up in the Matrix and they started showing up in music videos and hip hop and all of a sudden Cadillac went from being the grandparents' car to like the coolest car you could have. They changed it, just wild right-hand turn after so many years of doing one thing. There's a lot of cases like this. You can Sometimes it's a logo change, sometimes it's an approach change. Taco Bell changed everything. They used to be Yo Quiero Taco Bell and everybody you know, get high and come here late at night and stuff your face. And then they became like sleek and they would have the cantinas in the city and they changed their logo and the menu's different. I got a rebrand. Kyler, I, I, I root for Kyler because of his talent and I wanna see him perform on the football field. That's what I like to do on Sunday. I like to watch those athletes do crazy stuff. He is like your number one pick for an athlete doing crazy stuff. I think it's probably he and Lamar and, and Josh and Mahomes. Those are the guys, a couple of the receivers, but it's just all bad. I want him to change. I wish I wish he could go away for the offseason and just think things through. Hire, hire, fire his agents, fire his marketing agents, his, his, his manager, change his hair, change his clothes, change his approach, changes everything because it's all not working. It's, it's like, who cares if some ex teammate says that he only cares about himself if they're winning? Who cares if Larry Fitzgerald is saying Colt McCoy is the greatest leader out of, if they're winning? He can play all the Call of Duty he wants in the world if they're winning. They don't win. Kyler's never been in a, in, in a successful playoff game. He's never done anything. I mean, he, was, he was on a different planet last year against the Rams at the end of the season. This season's been bad. The year before that, it was crash and burn. It's just... You know, the guys who are drafted young in this league, they either work out or they don't. A lot of his peers, his young peers, is we're talking about the Joe Burrow types are accomplishing great things and they're winning and they keep their mouth shut and their teammates like them. I'm not rooting against Kyler Murray, I'm rooting for him, but his formula right now doesn't work and his reputation is terrible and it's not just something where people on social media like to make fun of him. Big time stuff, guys. Ex-teammates who people respect are coming out and just either passively saying it or directly saying it. And also, current teammates. DeAndre Hopkins tweets cryptically. He goes with the quote, a, a, a famous quote that is a subtweet of someone else. DeAndre Hopkins tweets this morning, you gained attention but lost respect. A quote from that he attributes to Biggs Burke, who's involved with Jay-Z and Rockefeller, and that's great and everything, but like, DeAndre, why don't you just say something? I would love to just hear your thoughts on your quarterback being told that he doesn't care about anybody himself. Has J.J. Watt said anything? Has Buda Baker said anything? Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Kime, are they coming out and saying, 
no, this is nonsense. You know, Patrick Peterson did some great things for this organization, but uh, Kyler Murray cares deeply for his teammates and the, the community and wants nothing more than to win as an Arizona Cardinal. Isn't that the message you put out right away? Where is that? It's kind of like the message I've been asking for from Russell Wilson's teammates, and we'll get to them in a second. But where is them? It's always the silence is deafening. DeAndre Hopkins, who has a working relationship and whose own success is dependent on Kyler playing well, comes out and does a quote from somebody. Okay, how about the guys on defense who don't really have that connection with Kyler, but who are around him, or in the locker room, in the weight room, and they know him and like him? Like, are they saying anything? Hmm. Bad, bad reputation on Kyler. He did some to earn it, and some of it's probably cheap piling on by the internet, but go away, man. You're way too good, way too talented. This season's going to end terribly. It's going to be captured on HBO. I would love for him to come back in training camp and just a full rebrand. Full. Never mind baseball, never mind video games. I fired all my representatives, and I'm just here to win a Super Bowl for the Arizona Cardinals. Show up in some gym shorts, ready to rock. I don't think it's going to happen, but... I want good things for him, and they just, they don't happen either. Kyler Murray, rebrand, do it. Trust me, people love it. Let's get to what I, what's hilarious. Come on. I'm looking at the words Russell Wilson birthday party drama, and like, is it, is, could that be more predictable? <laughs> Is there ever an uneventful, low-key Russell Wilson birthday where he says, you know, oh, hey, honey, what do you want to do for your birthday? I think nothing much, you know, just uh, order some takeout, empty out the DVR on the couch, you know, the kids, if you want, you can sing happy birthday or whatever. That's it. Or is it always like a thing where you have to hire some person or have some big party? Like, does he ever low-key it? I can't imagine he does. And I don't think he did this time either because there is Russell Wilson birthday party drama right there on the bottom of the screen. And I actually have Russell's back on this. I really do. It doesn't sound like it, but I do. Um, bring up the tweet. Uh, <laughs> I think this is from the Denver Post. Yeah, Mike List. There we go. All right, so he says, there's been some gossip about Russell Wilson standing in the locker room. Here we go. Here's some context, he continues. Per source, Wilson's wife, Sierra threw him a birthday party last night and quote it looked like about half the team was there on a player's day off why do people have to be so hurtful so i think he's saying that people are were insinuating that russell threw a uh, birthday party or his wife threw a birthday party for him and that nobody showed up and what's funny about this is that this is pulled right out of the draft day movie with kevin costner where the dude, Bo Callahan, is the guy that the Browns are thinking about drafting. And there becomes this long, uh, convoluted storyline about Kevin Costner finds out that people didn't go to his birthday party or his teammates, and so they don't want to draft him. And this is pulled right out of that script. All right, lose the tweet. Um, so he says that half the team was there, and you're like, oh my God, half the team didn't go to his birthday party? This is like the glass of water. Is it half empty or half full? I think it's half full. I, I was surprised that half the players went. I didn't, I mean, if you think 53 players minus Russ, so that's 52, 26 guys go to the birthday party. I, I was worried that it would be five and it would be receivers and some like, did they just go, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll go to Russell's party. 20, if 26, that is a big win. And I know I'm not the only person who thinks this. 
I always loved Torrey Smith, the veteran wide receiver. You saw him all over the place, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and he's been really good in retirement. He says, dude, that's a lot. Most folks don't like doing anything for anyone on their off day. And he writes the laughing emoji. So he's saying like, look, it's the middle of the season. You only got one day off. It's, it's you know, it's a, probably a Tuesday. And half the team went? That's a ton of players. I was sitting at the desk on Good Morning Football today with Sean O'Hara, the former Giants lineman, Super Bowl champ. He was on the field for the David Tyree catch and all that stuff, and they beat the 18-0 Patriots. And he's like, dude, that's so many people. And his point was also that typically you tend to be friends with your side of the football. Safeties are friends with safeties and linebackers, and running backs are friends with receivers and O-linemen and that type of thing. He says there's much less fraternization between, say, a running back and a safety just because you spend so much time with your own side of the football. So he's like, it's already kind of cut in half. So half the team, maybe that was the offense and a lot of the guys on defense didn't go. He said, that's a win. He was going on, you know how hard it is to get someone to do something on their day off? He, Sean was a player rep for the players union. He's like, I couldn't even get guys to stay 20 minutes after practice to talk about the 401k. They just want to go home. They're tired, they're sore. They're busting their ass in the middle of the football season being these gladiators in a car accident every Sunday. They want to go home and sit on the couch and play video games and go to sleep. They don't really want to go to a mid-season birthday party. Um, so I think it's actually one of Russ's biggest wins of the year. 26. Put it this way. Let's say you're a big Russell Wilson fan, Broncos fan, whatever, a Seahawks fan that still loves him, and you, you get a blind item about, okay, Russell Wilson's wife threw him a birthday party in the middle of the season, and blank number of his teammates attended knowing how this season's gone and knowing how russ is how russ is and how they're like one of the worst teams in the league and their offense is historically bad and he's historically cringy you know that if what if, if you're a guy who roots for russ in the blank what number would you have been happy with it's kind of like a deal or no deal with howie mandel like if you would open the case and like what if, if, if it said let's say 12 12 teammates would be like, oh, hell yes, I'll take it. Or would you say, no deal, Howie. I still think more teammates would show up to Russell Wilson's party. 20? 20, absolutely you would take it. The real worry is that none of them would show up, right? That it would be zero. Now that's a story, that he threw a party and invited 52 guys and zero showed up. Now, that didn't happen. I think 26, if we're calling it, half the team, that is such a win. That is someone on deal or no deal going home with like 800,000 bucks, and they never did. They'd always blow it. They're, they're going home with a ton of money. I think this is a big win for Russ. Um, I was worried. I was worried it was going to be single digits, especially given during the season, and they're all tired. I think this is, this is great. So everyone's making fun of him. Look into it. Reminder, if this is at his house, here's my other take on this. I bet it was an awesome birthday party. I really do. I bet they spent a bunch of money on it. I bet there was... Really good food, really good booze, because, you know, everything kind of gets photographed and it's all very image conscious, so they would want to have the good stuff. Also, if it's at his house, remember now, we know about his house. Four bedrooms, 12 bathrooms. Bleeping bizarre. But what do you want when you go to a house party that has really good food, really good booze? You want readily available bathrooms. That's very important, all right? And you don't want to have to go up to the second floor like... You know, in my world, you don't have to go to, like, use the kids' bathroom, which is weird. Like, you need a nice powder room. And especially if there's 12 of them, let's say there's six available bathrooms. If there's four bedrooms and 12 bathrooms, let's say each bedroom has a bathroom, that leaves eight bathrooms for you to use. 
If you want to go in there and go to the bathroom, if you want to go in there and do whatever you need to do to, to anesthetize yourself or to maybe bring your date in there, who cares? I don't know. Just whatever. That's fun. That's a great place to hang. Um, so I would have gone to the, the party if I was a teammate. I'm not surprised. It's probably a pretty nice party. Pretty nice house. And Russ is there, and you probably have minimal contact with Russ anyway. Plenty of bathrooms. That's a win. Russell Wilson's party. That's his Super Bowl this year. Russell Wilson's party. Let's ride. I would ride right to the party. It's hilarious. Let's move on, though, to what do we have? We have, um, aha, we have a wine bottle segment. Do you have ambitious hiring goals for the last quarter of 2022? With a powerful hiring partner, big goals are no big deal. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to sponsor your job post at Indeed.com basement. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com basement. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We don't even need any kind of animation for anything like this. Uh, it's time to see what ages like fine wine. It's the second time we're doing this segment. Um, we did it to start the season, and then after two months, I looked at your predictions, and it comes down to this. This is my bottle of wine. It is empty, um, and I'm going to go like this, right off, like a pirate, and bite off the cork, and I'm going to put some of your actual predictions in this bottle, put the cork back in, put it back in my bar, and then in six weeks, when we're about to start the playoffs, which sounds really exciting, and we'll take them out and see how we did. Are you ready? Do you want to get in this wine bottle? It's empty. I'm sorry. I didn't bring some for everybody, but let's go. I have a couple predictions, but I'm going to go with yours first. First prediction up, and I've written them down on this little piece of paper, and I'm going to take it and put it in the bottle. Bring on the tweets. First prediction up comes from Brody. All right. I see that C word, Cowboys. Brody says, the Cowboys will be leading the NFC East, and the division will have the same back-to-back winner for the first time in almost 20 years. All right, Brody, that's how you start a segment. I noticed your handle is it's Giants season, and your prediction is not about the Giants. It's about the Cowboys. So what you're saying is the Eagles are about to hit hard times because the Eagles have one loss on the season. Now, I predicted, and I this is just my from-the-hip, gutsy upset pick. I think the Eagles are going to lose this weekend to the Titans. It's just my prediction. has more to do with the Titans than the Eagles, but it's Tennessee at Philly, and I think Tennessee is going to win. So you're right, though. They like to point that out, that every year the NFC East winner changes. You have the Cowboys coming from behind to catch up with the Eagles. Again, one loss only on the Eagles. It would take a lot, but I like that prediction. Brody, I will see you in January. Hopefully the Cowboys don't drop for their next six games or anything like that. You want you to look good. But I like to start the segment that way. Let's move on. All right, perfect. Another NFC East. Star, I got it right here. Ah, all right. The Giants will miss the playoffs, sign a Giants fan. That's going to Star. Star, I hear you. I, I don't like them to make the playoffs either. I don't. It's just, I feel like they, they're they a boxer who just swung out of their shoes for the first seven rounds of a 12-round fight. They won five of those rounds, and you're like, wow, you're up in the cards but the boxer in the other corner has got this look on his face. Like he's like, oh yeah, now you're going to get a whooping because the Giants boxer is a little punched out, a little gassed. They got a cut over their eye. 
and they threw way too many punches. They go to Harold Letterman with the CompuBox ringside, and they're throwing a lot of punches, and I feel like they're a little bit out of oxygen. Now, they got this great guy in their corner, this day ball. He's their Angelo Dundee, and he's saying to work the jab and slip and move and all that stuff, but I don't know. They're seeing three of them out there. I don't like the way the Giants are trending. It's, it's always the, it's the cliche that John Madden brings up is that real football is played after, after Thanksgiving. December 1st, guys. Remember, Hans Gruber told us to start the show. I don't like the way the Giants are playing right now. So maybe you're right, Star. Maybe you're wrong. We'll find out next. Next tweet. Next tweet. Lou Montagna. Montagna? Montagna? All right. He's got a good one here. Jordan Love will be the leading passer for the last four weeks of the season. Lou, I like the way you think. like the cut of your jib, Lou. All right. So let's play this out. For Jordan Love to be any kind of passer, Rodgers is going to have to be benched. Um, Rodgers is playing at the Bears this weekend. He has to win that game. The Bears are this sad carcass of a football team right now in which Darnell Mooney is out, Eddie Jackson is out. They traded their best two defensive players a few weeks ago. Justin Fields is hurt. It's, it's like it's kind of shut down. It's, it's unfortunate, but I, don't, I cannot see them beating Rodgers in Soldier Field in potentially Rodgers' last trip ever to Soldier Field, which he dominates them, as we know. So the, the Packers win this weekend, then they go on the bye, and then they play the Rams. What you're saying, Lou, is that... I, th- I don't know if you're going to be right, because in order for Jordan Love to start the last four games of the season, I think he's going to have to start either at the Rams game or the, after that. I hope, it's, I hope it's true, just for the absolute, some men want to watch the world burn factor of it. We'll see. Look, I'm not so here to judge on it now. I don't think you're going to be right. I think Rodgers is going to beat the Bears, have two weeks to rest, and then he's going to beat the Rams, and everyone's going to lose their mind because he run the table. But it's not my prediction, Lou. Jordan Love, leading passer for the last four weeks of the season. It's a good one. Next, we're putting these all away. We will reveal them and look back on them as we start the playoffs. Joe Nelson, guy goes by Joe Nelly, 35. The Panthers, now we're talking. The Panthers will be a playoff team and will have no intention to take a quarterback in the first round. Joe, are you on the Sam Darnold bandwagon? Are you driving that thing? I like it. A little confession for you, Joe. We can commiserate together. I predicted to start the season that the Carolina Panthers would win the NFC South. I did. You can look it up. It's there. Now, I thought they would do it with Matt Rule and Baker Mayfield and Robbie Anderson and all those guys that have been benched, traded, or fired. They're gone. But no one wants to take this thing. Everyone's out. The Buccaneers disappointed us greatly last week in losing after their bye. They were supposed to take it with Brady. The Falcons can't get their act together. They just can't string together wins. The Saints, same deal. They continue to insist on starting Andy Dalton. Insist on it. They can't do it. They were shut out by the 49ers. And there's the Panthers. The Panthers won last week. The Panthers are on a bye this week, which means they won't lose. And then we'll see what's cooking. So who knows? I'm now fully back after four months of being embarrassed about my Panthers picked it. Like, go ahead and take it. It's this box of Chinese food that has one shrimp left, and all four people are sitting at the table like, I don't want to take it. I don't want to take it. I'm not going to take it. Panthers are like, you know what? I'm going to take it. If you're going to leave that shrimp there for that long, I'm taking it. I went to the restroom. I came back. The shrimp is still there. You dummies don't want to take the shrimp? Fine, I'll take the shrimp. Take the shrimp. Go to the, go to the playoffs. I hope, the, I hope you're right, Joe. I'm with you. Next. That's a good one, though. Panthers predictions. You just don't see a lot of them. All right, Joseph Curtis, USA. Okay. 
We have a Bills prediction. That's not a surprise. But oh, baby, fire in the hole. Listen to this. The Bills will finish 11-6 and six after losing at New England tonight to Miami and at Cincinnati. No home playoff games and big questions being asked of Sean McDermott after a Super Bowl or bust season ends with a whimper in the wild card round. Show! Wow, Joe's got that plunge box with the TNT. Boom! All right, so let's, let's unpack that. The Bills, who currently have three losses, uh, they're eight and three, and they play tonight. And then go to nine and three, eight and four. He says eleven and six. They're going to lose to the Patriots. They're going to lose to Miami for the second time this year, and they're going to lose to the Bengals. Finish eleven and six. They will go on the road as a wild card. Wow. So he's saying Miami is going to win the East. They will go on the road as a wild card and lose in the wild card round. I wonder to who. I wonder to who. Maybe it could be to Miami. I don't know. It could be to some one of these teams that squeaks in. It could be. Oh man, it could be to any, it could be to the Titans. It could be to some crazy team. Any, it could be uh, to the Jets. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. All right, Joe. Uh, there are a lot of Buffalo Bills fans who watch and listen to Copperhead's Basement. We're gonna revisit you, buddy. Come January, if you're right, we may have to have you like zoom into the show because you really went after it in this one. I tend to disagree with you. I think the Bills took their lumps in that two-game back-to-back losing streak. I think they got their stride back. I think that going back-to-back to Detroit, winning both of those games in difficult fashion, I think they figured it out. And they're getting through a tough injury or two, of course, but Poyer's back out there and making plays. I don't think they're going 11-6, and six, man. Joe, that's why we do this segment. Next, how do you follow that? Joe Curtis just decided to go for it. Tyler S. All right, simple. Sometimes the best takes are the simplest ones. This is called the brevity of words, economy of words. Tyler S. tweets, Jags win the division. Yeah, Tyler. Jaguars, home playoff game. All right, let's just, let's take a little peek right now at our old friend, the AFC South standings. Titans in first place at seven and four. Colts at four and seven. Jags at four and seven. Actually, Colts at four, seven and one. Jags at four and seven. So what you need, Tyler, is you need the Jags to win off a few games here. And man, did they look good at the end of that Baltimore game. It was That was like a perfect teal vision of everything they're supposed to be. But you also need the Titans to fall on their face. You need me to be wrong, and my upset pick this weekend means they go, you know, they don't lose to, they don't beat Philadelphia this weekend. So then they go to four and, or they go to seven and five. And you just need them to get to, to fall apart. If the Titans lose this, they basically have a three-game lead with about six weeks left to go and a lot of veteran guys and good players, that would be very unlikely. But I keep saying it, it's your prediction, not mine. Tyler, see you in January. Will we see the Jags in January? That would be some story if the 2022 Jaguars made the playoffs. But man, they love that Doug Peterson. Uh, Do we have one more? All right, here we go. The Mark of the Beast. That's a pretty cool name. He says, Russell Wilson will end his final press conference this year by saying, Broncos country. Let's ride. There's supposed to be predictions, not certainties. That's not, you're not supposed to send me a tweet that says the sun's going to come up tomorrow. I know, Mark of the Beast, it will come up. Do you think he has the gall to do it? Let's say the Broncos, where's our friend the Broncos? Let's say they're 3-8. and eight. They've played 11 games. What if they lose out? <laughs> they, have, they have six games left. What if they finish, oh my God, at 3-14? and 14? 
do you think he does it and he stands there in his suit and it's just like you know this is not acceptable and i'm going to do everything i can to get better and uh you know i'm going to work so hard this off season and we'll see you next year broncos country let's ride and walk up does he do it that's kind of a fun bet because he, he, he stopped doing it um, a few weeks back in his post game, if I remember right, when they lose. Because he was doing it when they were losing, and everyone was just throwing up. And they cut it, cut it out with that. Jonah Hill at the Oscars gif. But I think he'll do it at the end of the season. I think he will. We'll find out, though. Mark, we'll pull up the video, and we'll, when we do this segment, we will pull up the video of Russell Wilson's final press conference. Let's see who they play. Let's just, just, just for giggles, let's see who the Broncos play in the last week of the season. The Broncos will finish their 2022 campaign playing the Chargers. All right, and they, play, they, they finish with Chiefs and Chargers. And they play the Chargers at home in Denver, January 8th. On January 9th, we will be talking about if he ended it with Broncos country, let's ride. That's a funny one. Also, I'm going to give you a couple of predictions of mine, and I promise I'll put them in the bottle as well. Um, I think the Giants are going to miss the playoffs. I've kind of already said that. I think the Commanders are going to make the playoffs, and I'll go even further into the playoffs. I think the Commanders are going to win in the wild card round. I just can't buy enough Commander stock, guys. I don't know if you've been paying attention. I rant about the bleeping Washington Commanders every day. Just falling in love with the team you didn't know you were going to fall in love with. Um, I like that, and then um, the Jets are going to make the playoffs too. Now, what did I say? Let me see. Do I really want to put that out there? No, I'm going to do a heel turn. The Jets are going to miss the playoffs. That's You can see how con- my conviction and my resolve in that I just flip-flop. The Jets are going to miss the playoffs. The Giants are going to miss the playoffs. That's the prediction. Both New York teams miss the playoffs. Don't want it. Not rooting for it. Only predicting it. Both New York football teams will miss the playoffs. The Commanders will make it, and they will win a playoff game. That's it. It's going in here. This is going in the bar. And then the cork is coming out. And we will see how we did. Buckle up, guys. See you in a few weeks. In the meantime, we go to uh, a man who, let's see, are we going to get kitchen today from him or sauna or basement? You never know where in his house he's broadcasting from. And by broadcasting, I mean hiding from his kids. It's Michael Flynn with something that we call Brant Awareness. And there he is in the beautiful kitchen with some children's artwork over his left shoulder. What do we got there? A winter uh, picture or something like that? What is that, Flynn? I want to say it's a winter fox. Winter Go fox. Go with fox. Yeah. I-, I love it. It's well done. It's well executed. Uh, it looks like a very nice refrigerator, too. You can just stunting on us, and I appreciate it. What is in uh, the headlines that we haven't covered in Conference Space Media today? Uh, let's get into them. We probably should have expected it eventually. Uh, the Athletics' Jeff Howe says, don't ever write off the Patriots as a potential destination mm. for Tom Brady next season. Kyle, would a reunion make sense for Brady, the Pats, both, or neither? Oh, everybody, let's just do it. I fully believe it. I want it. I'm into it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. This story is great because it's not based on any research or insight or sources it's just basically as far as i understand him saying yeah that'd be crazy right (laughs) imagine if that happened yeah that would be crazy and it'd be crazy if if rogers was on the bears next year and and, um michael jordan came out of retirement and he decided to play for the pistons like all that stuff would be crazy no i don't think it's gonna happen 
I, I wouldn't rule anything out. And if you start to really, uh, well, of course I would. Yes, I'm ruling it out. What am I saying? Why am I giving myself into that? Yes, I'm ruling it out for a million reasons, not the least of which is the Mac Jones reason and that the Patriots aren't really built for Brady. And also just he retired from the Patriots. He's not going back after two years and returning at 46. I don't know what Brady's doing next year. That's more interesting to me. Is he playing again? And does it matter how this season ends? Because they're not good. And I said it last segment, like, they can't get their act together. If they don't win this South, what if the Falcons win the NFC South and Brady misses the playoffs? Brady doesn't have seasons where he misses the playoffs. It doesn't, it just doesn't really go that way. What if he came back from retirement to finish, oh my God, seven and 10 or six and nine or whatever it is, six and 11 and missed the playoffs because Marcus Mariota's Falcons won the division. You probably have to get the hell out of Tampa, but do you go back to New England now? I don't know. Flynn, am I missing something on this? I want it to be true. I I, I like the disarray, but it's just like this (laughs) bat bleep insane stupid fantasy, right? Or is it? Yeah, it's, like I said, it's something we probably should have expected. I'm half expecting next it'll be he's going to go to the Jets and play against the Patriots next season. Mm -hmm. I don't see it it happening. I I think he walks away and goes to the TV booth and is done on the field. I'm already ready for the Russell Wilson returns to the Seahawks stories. Whenever we can get to those, I'm ready for those. Let's ride uh, Seahawks country. Let's ride. What else is in the headlines? Up next, Von Miller sidelined tonight, but he's still talking plenty, saying that Odell Beckham Jr. is down to either the Bills or the Cowboys, and that when OBJ visits the Bills on Friday, that's tomorrow, the plan is to not allow him to leave the building. Kyle, you think the next time we meet in the basement on Sunday, we'll know where OBJ is playing? I don't know why we don't. I don't know what everyone's waiting for. It's Maybe they're waiting for Odell to find his luggage that was sent to L.A. that I wonder if he ever got because it was sent to L.A. when he wasn't allowed to fly. But Schrager was talking about this last week. What's everyone waiting for? It's Thanksgiving. Now it's December. If if you want them, sign them. Like, this has gone on too long. It's it's almost playoff season. And we don't even know how healthy he is. We Don't, don't you want, like, a little ramp up if... This idea that everyone's obsessed with, that Odell's going to help with the playoff run like he did with the Rams last year, we, we got to get comfortable first for a while. You don't sign them two days before your wild card round. Let's go. So if it's going to be Dallas, do it. If it's going to be Buffalo, then Vaughn, what he says, I'm not going to let him leave the parking lot. Fine. Lie down behind his car and give him a pen and make him sign with the Bills. Um, I don't know if the Bills want him. We should also do a game where when we, let's say he's not signed by next Tuesday, okay? Let's say he's still hanging out there. And when we ask Josh about this in the basement, we should play a game with what Josh's response is. <laughs> when I say, so Josh, you know, there's a lot of talk about Odell maybe becoming a Bill, and I know Vaughn really likes him. What are your thoughts? Would you like to see Odell become a Bill? I think the words um, Brandon Bean will come out of his mouth really quickly, the, the, the Bill's GM. And I think he'll say, um, you know, the best, if anybody who can help our team win, I, you know, I'd love to have him. Something like that. I don't think it'll be a straight up like, yeah, I actually do. And I personally reached out to him and it won't certainly be a, eh, we're good. But we should play a game and see if we can, we can stick the landing. Flynn, any thoughts on what Josh will say when we ask him, hey, Josh, you guys, you want to sign Odell? You want him to come in and be a Buffalo Bill? What do you think? 
I think you're just about right. I think he compliments the player that Odell is. I think he gives a pop to his own guys and says, I, I think we're fully capable of handling yep. business with the guys we yep. got inside. Yep. But you're right. He's then yep. going to bring up Bean and give us a sort of non-answer that he told us on Tuesday. He has admired Bill Belichick for being able to give. Um, you nailed it. Well, listen, I love the guys we have here. We have a lot of really talented playmakers, and I would go to battle with them any time. Look, as far as adding players, you know, anytime you can add a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., you, you love to do it, but that's above my pay grade. That's Brandon Bean's job, and my job is to win football games with the players he puts out there for me. It's pretty much that, unless maybe he shocks us, but I think we have it down. Um, look, Josh is locked in right now, dude. He, he, we're getting closer. You can smell the playoffs. He's going to have that look in his eye. He wants to win the Super Bowl this year, so maybe we should get him Odell Beckham, but I'm ready to find out. I'm sick of the story. It's an eye roller. I resent you for asking me. No, it's fine. But like when I see turn on ESPN or I turn on, I'm like, all right, enough with the Odell talk. Talk more commanders. You know me. I can't get enough commanders. Um, what, what, anything I'm missing? And if not, what's next? No, let's uh, move on from football. Uh, it's December 1st. Okay. So the holiday movies are beginning to come out. And tomorrow's an interesting one. Violent Night, starring Stranger Things David Harbauer, <laughs> will be released only in theaters. He plays a downbeat Santa Claus who has lost the joy in doling out presents each year until he hears one child's plea to save her family from a brutal home invasion. Kyle, you into the Christmas horror genre? Sure. Yeah, I... I... <laughs> I need, in for my Christmases, I need sledgehammers and axes and blood. I'm looking at a picture of a Santa Claus who's just so pissed off. He's got an open wound on the bridge of his nose. He has a candy cane in his mouth like a cigar, but it's also lit like it might be a bomb. And he just looks so pissed. And this is... <laughs> the Violent Night people, they're like, all right, we got the perfect title. Just perfect. Violent night. It's done. Move on. And someone's like, hold on. Hold on. What about the little catchphrase, the little slogan for the movie? Ah, you're right. How do we chase violent night? We need something just as perfect. Something that can really cut glass, that's going to register with people emotionally, but also give our message of extreme violence on Christmas. Ah, I got it. Violent night. Slogan, you better watch out. Hell yes. Pulling from the... The Christmas Carol, you better watch out. I always like that line, you better watch out, about Santa Claus is coming to town. Because that entire song is a cautionary tale for children. It is just a PSA about listen to your mom and dad, idiot, and clean up your room. And the very first line of the song is you better watch out, which is a threat. <laughs> it's basically saying watch your step. Like mafia guys, when they say, watch your step, like I'm going to break your legs. The first line is, you better watch out. So it really gives the message of Violent Night. And look, how many how many stupid, cheesy Hallmark movies can we watch? Let's explore the dark side of Christmas. There's a lot of people who feel very negative and violent around Christmas time. So why not explore it? Um, it's not the first time this, is, this has happened. If you want a deep cut, and this is where we get way into the weeds. There is a movie starring Bill Goldberg, the wrestler and Fran Drescher, I can't make this up, and it's called Santa's Slay, and it's slay with an S-L-A-Y as one would do to a dragon or beast, Santa's Slay, and Goldberg like basically just comes down the chimney and kills you, I think, like, 
<laughs> he has one thing, the, the, the picture on the movie is, is this giant icicle that he's gonna stab you with, like Norman Bates. It's out there, it's way out there. The other recommendation, if you want something scary for Christmas, there was a great, great Tales from the Crypt episode way back in the day where Santa Claus was this psychotic killer and he comes in the chimney and the kids are terrified and it's, it's really intense. And I, used, I watched that when I was probably in like sixth grade and just like wet myself. Very scary. So I like the violent Christmas. I like the, why not? If, look, if, what do people come down to normally? Everybody's favorite Christmas movie, if it is one or not. Hello, this is an extremely violent movie that takes place at a Christmas party and has Christmas songs in it and Christmas lights and there's machine guns and cocaine and office party sex and like, John McClane at one point drains a guy's blood and then writes a message with it on his corpse so that his brother will see that he now has a machine gun. Like, that is sick. And that's just this New York cop who does it, not a serial killer. That's sick. People can't get enough of it. They make toys. They make advent calendars out of this. This is a guy who's falling like 80 stories to his death. Do you know what's going to happen when that guy hits the ground? It's going to be terrible. And he was trying to pull a woman off the building. This is a sick, sick, violent movie. But people love it at Christmas time. So yes, I'm into violent night. I'm into it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be going to the theater necessarily, but if it's a few remote, remote clicks away, I will watch Violent Night. Um, I, I respect... Say, Flynn, you said David Harbour. Isn't it just David Harbour? That's his Is name, it? right? David Harbour, right? I guess so. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Yeah, you, you gave it like a French twist or something. David Harbour, <laughs> the guy who plays... Um, what's his name? Hopper. Hopper from, uh, from, yeah, so I like him. He's great. He's from this neck of the woods. He's from White Plains, New York. I respect him. Uh, I also like that I was working the uh, an NFL event once, and like he was there to present, and he just didn't do any media at all. Like it's just he was there. He was an actor's actor, not there to gush about the Patriots. I, he was there to present and get out of that. That's David Harbor. So I'm gonna see Violent Night as long as I can see it on my TV. You? Uh, I, I think I'm in the same boat as you. I'm not going to see it in theaters, but I'll see it if it's at, on at home. I will say it's billed as an R-rated version of Die Hard meets Home Alone. And you mentioned right. one catchphrase, his other catchphrase that he says at least once in the movie, Seasons Beatings. <laughs> Great. So he's going to beat somebody up with like a bat or something like that. I, I, sure. I think Sledgehammer. I mean, why not? I think it's his weapon. Sledgehammer. Like that, that means they're going to die. If you hit someone with a sledgehammer, they die. So why not? We've done it all. We've done every Christmas idea has been used up. There's only so many times that a woman who, career woman who's never had time for love moves to a small town and starts a cookie company. We've done that many times. Let's beat some people up with sledgehammers. Why not? I'm into it. Um, Glenn, I'll actually have a review of Violent Night uh, one of these times on the show. And maybe we'll have Dave Harbour on the show and we can talk Violent Night. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, buddy. Happy holidays. I'm out of here. Uh, I'm going to get some darts. Let's see what we got. Go to the sky cam. I'm walking out of frame. One through 20. That's how a dartboard works. I'll hit one of the topics. And there's a list of things to talk about with the numbers. And my number today is 14. I love the 14. It's like my spot on the floor. I can. It's like my from the elbow. That's my shot. 14, it says fictional family you'd most want to join. Okay. That's, a, that's an interesting question. You know, you were just talking about Home Alone and immediately I'm like, oh, do I want to join the McAllisters? No. I voiced my opinion that I think their house is very overrated and they're just like a, I'm not allowed to say the word because it's profane, but like they're a bunch of jerks in that family. 
Uncle Frank you know about, but I think the siblings are terrible too. Buzz, all that, you know. Don't like that. Not the McAllisters. Um, the fictional family that I would want to join, I think probably the one in The Incredibles. I don't know what the hell their name is. The Incredibles? Is that their, their last name? Uh, I, that Incredibles and Incredibles 2 is on a lot at our house. And I like um, Dash is the little boy's name. He's always getting into trouble. And then they got Jack-Jack, the baby, whose uh, who's power is that he has every power. Uh, the mom is super cool, sexy as hell. Not that I want her to be my mom. And then Mr. Incredibles, great guy. I love him. I'd like to join the Incredibles. Now, there's a lot of families I could say. Um, the Seavers and Growing Pains. The Swiss Family Robinson living in trees. They really got after it. But I like the Incredibles. I like to live in that family. And um, I like that you guys are part of my family, especially this, is, this week is over. We will see you on Sunday night after the games. Watch Bill's Patriots tonight. When this episode is coming out, it will be a few hours before kickoff. And um, great to have you guys here. Love you. Miss you. Um, go see Violent Night. We're not even being paid or anything to promote it. We just want to talk about Violent Night. You better watch out. And you better come on Sunday night. We'll be here doing our full Sunday night recap giving out awards, giving out podiums. We do it every single Sunday night. Thank you. Tweet, share, like, all that stuff. Love you guys. See ya.